So I want to become a dog trader. Oh, yeah? But when I look, I just don't know who to join. Yeah. It's a sea of acronyms, and it appears to be unregulated. <laughs> I want to know my money is well spent with me joining a team of dynamic, ethical professionals who have the same goals as me. I also want to be taught using the most up-to-date, science-led data. So where do I go? You heard of Pat? It's a place to go to become the most knowledgeable, skilled, ethical, science-based dog training instructor you can be. It's also one of the few organisations good enough to be a member of the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. The Professional Association of Canine Trainers, PACT for short, is here to help you become the best accredited dog trainer you can be. PACT gonna help you reach your goals. PACT is the place you need to go. Oh, PACT if you love dogs like we do too. PACT we are indeed the place for you. Hey, PACT it's time to take that leap of faith. PACT delay no further while you wait. Come find us at packed-dogs.com. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop till we're gone. Barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop and we're gonna learn together. Barks from the bookshop, we're gonna learn about our dogs and barks from the bookshop. Hello. Howdy. Hello. Oh, I thought you were gonna join me in like a little barber shop. Oh, we tripped. Oh, do you wanna go again? Hello. Hello. Awful. It? We've been to karaoke this week. Can you tell? Uh-huh. <laughs> almost, almost a harmony. Almost. Oh, Bob liked it. And we brought Jay. I See? Did, oh, I did hear a little woof in the background then. Um, welcome. Welcome to Hello, another Jay. episode of Barks from the Bookshelf. Um, what have we been up to? I'll tell you what I've been up to today. I've drunk too much coffee. Buzzing. I can't believe you didn't get a decaf the second time around. No. For anyone who's listening who likes coffee, who likes the co- the kind of coffee buzz, may I recommend a venti, which is fancy for large. Uh, Bucket. Um, it's, it's actually translates to. Cold brew. Because that stuff is like, I'm not, I'm not talking like, um, don't just get like an American, like a, a, an Americano. Go for your cold brew because they get this little jug out of the fridge. I don't know what it is. It looks like tar and they pour mm. like. Like, I saw I saw them. I know what it is. They yeah. came out the toilet with it. <laughs> it's everybody's caffeine filled urine. I'm going yeah, I'm going back into the toilet with it. It's just being it's just being recycled. It goes round and round. That's why they ran out the other day, Corinne, because uh, no one had been to the loo. It's oh quiet, quiet day. Well, I had two of them and I, I literally thought I might have to run home. In the car <laughs> on the way home he did sound high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm over it a little bit now. I feel I feel more kind of um, settled. But uh, are you, you going to crash at some point? Do you yeah, think? probably. And just go into some kind of detoxing, Catatonic withdrawal, state. coma. <laughs> yeah. 
Could be that. But what is are... it you said on the way home? Why do you shiver when it's hot? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> God, Nick, yeah, that, 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 wasn't, that wasn't the coffee. Do you ever get that? Like when, when do you know you shiver when it's cold, right? Do you ever shiver when it's warm? Not unless I'm poorly. Or had too much coffee. No, I get yeah, that. I, I think, think it's that, a... that's the jitters. Is there anyone in the audience who is a doctor who can clarify that you can not only shiver when it's cold, but also when you go from a cold into a warm environment, you get a little, oh, it's warm, sort of like shiver. I really enjoy it. I like shivering when it's warm. It's a pleasurable experience. Is... Shiver or sh- shudder? It's or a tremor? Sh- or a tremble? It's, it's just a little... Or a jitter? Not like a, I'm cold, like a little, I don't know I've what I'm talking about. Never, I think... Coffee chat. I think it's the coffee talking. Yeah. Oh, maybe I'm not over the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nat, you, you need to take over. Tell us tell us why we're here. Why are we here today? We are here to uh, take you all to the candy shop. <laughs> we've got Tom Candy. Here we've, he is. We've got Tom Candy. He's here. Lot. Well, he's not here yet, actually, at all, is he? I've, I'm, he will be. If I start bigging him up now, that's a long intro, You're isn't it? You're preempting, yeah. Um, you have to see um... candy shop right till he gets here. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> um, uh, Tom works for the Dogs Trust, and he is um, a lovely, lovely bloke. I've known him for years, and... We bump into him at things, don't we, Corinne? He was dressed incredibly dapper, the most dapper dressed person. Oh, um, yeah. When um, we went to the dog bite prevention at Parliament uh, mm-hmm. a couple of months ago. Oh, I remember you saying that he was Yeah. yeah. He looked smart. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were three layers of tailoring. Really? And I, I do believe a little pocket silk of there some was, kind definitely what yeah. to give to a lady to blow one's nose <laughs> <laughs> place on the ground for a lady to step over a puddle <laughs> oh uh, so, yeah oh well i'm glad i'm glad i'm glad that we're the most most best dressed guest so far would you say yeah, yeah yeah i mean who knows what he will wear to the conference well um, yeah. you've laid the gauntlet come, now he might have to come corporate i guess they're just being yellow which isn't as dapper as what we saw him in. Or he could just become a parody of himself and have a monocle and everything and a little hip flask <laughs> and a cigar. I've always really fancied a monocle. I, I really, I could... I think you could. I think you could work a monocle, if you know. If he's bringing a hip flask, I'm hanging out with Tom on the desk. <laughs> I, could, I could really get into like smoking jacket, monocle, pipe as well. I'm quite up for a pipe in my old age, I've got to say. I can see myself doing that. And I like the... Count me Sound out. Of a pipe. Oh yeah, my my uh, neighbour when I was growing up had a pipe, and it's just just a really different tobaccoy smell, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a nice Very, smell. Um, I like it. Nice smell. I don't. Comforting. I don't smoke, but it's a nice smell. I used to smoke. Anyway, I digress. Have we got any uh, coffee we actually... chat? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> coffee chat with Steve. Coffee chat. <laughs> Good luck, Tom. I think I'm going to sit back. Um, <laughs> have we got any Tom facts? Um, have we got, uh, have we got yeah. a bio? Because... Hang on, I just I I have got a bio, but I'm also being viciously attacked yes. by a dog that I live with, <laughs> who is not under control by any means, and I don't know where my husband has gone. There he is. Can you wrangle this bearded weirdy, please, and bearded get her weirding. some chicken? She needs <laughs> a little topple or something. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, first of find... all. It's worth mentioning that Tom is joining us at the Dog X Conference 2023 
October yes. the 8th. That will be a Sunday. Um, I, I know that on our last podcast that Amber waxed lyrical, both about Tom and the conference. Uh, since then, we have sold a fair amount of tickets. Um, they are dwindling. They are dwindling fast. If you're on the fence, if you're thinking about it, if you are umming or indeed ring, then you certainly need to get get a shifty on. Shifty on? Yeah, get shifty. Get shifty. Get shifty. No, not get shifty. That's, <laughs> get swifty. A shifty is hiding in a bush. Get isn't it? Like, <laughs> swifty? swifty? No. Get swishy. Just buy, I don't know. Just buy get a, t- a ticket. Get a ticket for gold's sake. <laughs> don't hide in a bush. <laughs> um, and Tom is going to be, well... The whole um, premise of the conference is training in challenging scenarios, isn't it? What's the theme? Theme. Yeah, the whole theme. Theme. Um, um, yeah. I came up with that snappy little title. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Tom's going to be focusing on uh, the rescue environment, I believe. Um, so we're, we're mm-hmm. very thrilled to... Oh, Tom also... Oh, we can talk about this as well. But Tom also, um, he takes photos when diving, doesn't he? How do you know that? You I'm can stalk him on sure, Facebook. I'm pretty sure that's Tom. I might have to hmm. Tom. Apologies if I do. No, he does. He does. I've seen I've some got... incredible photos. I've got Tom facts. Tom facts time. Tom facts. Go for it. Tom. This is from his uh, LinkedIn profile. So okay. um, I could read it out doing an impression of Tom like I'm in the first person, but I'm not going to. Oh. Um, Tom is the Senior Training and Behaviour Advisor at Dogs Trust. He did uh, a BSc in bioveterinary science and an MSc in clinical animal behaviour at the University of Lincoln. He has experience of overseeing and supporting multiple rescue centres, developing and implementing behaviour modification plans, coaching staff, training, problem solving, providing independent assessment and working with multiple stakeholders to ensure best practice and up-to-date knowledge relating to training and behaviour. He is an international speaker. Where's he been? Let's find out. Who knows? Confident in delivering to both small and large audiences uh, on a range of topics, including practical workshops. I wonder what his smallest and largest audience has been to date. What an interesting question. I may ask him it. Write that down. Uh Um, He is a certificated clinical animal behaviourist. He is a full member of the APBC. He is a certified shelter behaviour specialist and he is an owner of a three-piece suit. Does it say that? <laughs> no, it doesn't oh, say that. Really added, was, I, maybe I, add, I added that bit. You should add that in. <laughs> Brilliant. So that's Tom. Tom facts. So um, on that note, I think we should talk to Tom. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's go to the candy shop. upset because both both uh Corin and Nat told me exactly how dapper you were um the last time they saw you and I was, I was really hoping was, for oh, was that most in, um... most best dressed guest yet you looked and, great um... mate sorry I know I actually have one of my brother's polo shirts on because <laughs> I felt bad that I was running late anyway so I haven't even taken my bag out of my van 
um because i'm staying at my parents tonight so i was like oh my brother's in spain i'll just steal one of his t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> there we go so um i've done the thing where i press records to start off with so if there's any of this that you don't want to go out on the podcast you can you so can... now everyone knows you're covered in lurcher shit yeah <laughs> uh, and you stink yeah it's not the first time and it probably won't be the last <laughs> well that's it's par for the course isn't it that's the that's the thing that people have got to realize <laughs> so thank you so much for agreeing to do this um and thank you so much for agreeing to come to Dog X as well. Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm really excited, especially after listening to Amber last week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. she was great. She was great. And she waxed lyrical about the conference last time, which I think really helped. That was it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I didn't get to make it last year, but I was like, oh, this sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we... no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we, and Fenna, I don't think we've never, have we spoken to anyone that's been... In Rescue Sarah, we spoke to, didn't we? Spoke to Sarah, yeah. Yeah, we spoke to Sarah before. And Tamsin. Uh, Yeah, yeah, and Tamsin, yeah. So we have spoken to a couple people in Rescue. But we, um, I, I mean, obviously the the conference theme is, say it because I always forget what the theme is. Oh God, hang on a minute. Um, Problem solving and challenging training scenarios. It's a bit of a mouthful. Uh, hence Sorry. why I forget it sometimes. But... Tom will make it shorthand, don't worry. Whenever Tom sends me a message, I end up having to Google what Tom actually <laughs> yeah. means. Yeah, it's like, I think Tom texts like Thank a twelve-year-old girl. It's like, <laughs> sometimes I've had to like Google things, like what is this abbreviate? I can't look uncool to him. Yeah. <laughs> so I Google just... and then reply. Yeah. I'm just normally like replying at a motorway services or something. Or something. <laughs> just trying to be quick. I'm just trying to work out what my dog is trying to get off a shelf what do you want is there a tennis ball i think there is sorry (laughs) it's the classic a classic tennis ball on the shelf it's a calm squeaky one so it's gone strongly down the stairs and the door shut that that, that is not a podcast friendly toy although if there if there ever was going to be a podcast that would be okay with a kong squeaky ball being on it i think it would be this one as as soon as we normally get other squeaky balls are available So we, we spent a bit of time going through some questions um, that we want to ask you um, because of your in-depth expertise. But before, um, we've done a little bit of Tom facts, which is Nat basically reading your LinkedIn bio. Uh, so I hope, <laughs> hope that's up to date. She did threaten I to may, do it I, pretending to be yeah. you. Um, I, did, I may have added some flourishes. <laughs> is it not flourishy enough? It is so very, I need to go and flourish it. it. It's quite flourishy. Um, but could... Now the word flourish has lost all meaning, but I hope, <laughs> I, I hope you approve of my adjustments. Yeah, apparently you're a flamenco dancing master now. And that... <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> so um, maybe you could give us a little bit of a, a talk about um, what you do, Tom, for our audience. Yeah, so um, currently, so I've worked in rescue for about 15 years, um, started doing a bunch of different stuff. I originally wanted to be a vet. Uh, that didn't happen, um, and I found passion in rescue instead. So I've been doing it yeah since I was fifteen, um, and currently I'm a senior training and behaviour advisor at a um, UK-based rescue, and I oversee seven rescue centres, uh, various sizes, and support them with any training and behaviour issues that they have with their dogs, and do staff training and all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's really varied. 
Um, but I'm out at centers as well as kind of supporting them remotely as well. So it's great. Fabulous. And I'm thinking of a question straight away to ask here because I know quite a few people that work in rescue. And it's really interesting that you you talk there about providing training to the staff. Um, what sort of like training do you give to the staff in terms of like, you know, how in depth is it? What sort of, what sort of stuff do you do there? Yeah, that's like a great question. Uh, we're really lucky in my organization that we, we do a lot of staff development and really focusing on upskilling the staff to have better understanding of behavior, why the dogs that we're looking after are doing what they're doing, but also give them practical skills to manage those dogs in the environment that we're working in, <clears throat> but also be able to sort of progress those dogs to a certain point so that we can get them successfully rehomed. So it's really about having a strong understanding of behavior and having those skills to kind of bring the training along to um, to make that dog more rehomeable. So we're really lucky that we were able to invest quite heavily in our staff. Um, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you want to give those dogs the best possible chance that they can have. And it must be difficult in rescue, mustn't it? Because as someone that doesn't work in rescue, like I, all my immediate thought always goes to um, like, do you see like what part of the dog are you seeing there because of the environment versus how they will be when they get out of that environment? And how do you you know, assimilate those two things together or, you know, how do you assess and all of these sorts of things? It must be very, very difficult. Yeah, it's tricky. And that's obviously, you know, the theme sort of challenging environments. And that's mm. definitely one of the challenge. Like, is the dog in front of me that when I'm working with it a true reflection of this dog? Because it leads to so many questions like, how's the dog feeling in the moment? Um, do we just need to rehome the dog? And then the hopefully the behaviors will go away or like what level of, um, management and modification do we need before we can put that dog back into a home environment and all of these things you're kind of constantly trying to assess and get a handle on and um, I think you know, assessments have changed a lot in the last sort of probably 10-15 years and we're at a point now where hopefully most rescues are using quite a fluid observational assessment where you're kind of constantly adding information to that dog from um, information you get from previous owners stuff that you're seeing if the dog has gone out and it didn't work out for whatever reason and then they've come back we can use all of that to try and build a bigger picture but yeah the environment pays plays such a big part in what we're doing and and you know we're constantly like right okay would this dog do better in this kennel or um should we try a real life room or can we put the dog out into foster and trying to find that environment where you can see some of those true colors come through a bit better um but it's yeah it's really tricky to get it right and then it's like is the dog not learning because they're stressed by the environment or like yeah. is our plan wrong or do we need sort of extra support and it's it's what makes the dog really uh, job really challenging but it's also what kind of makes it really cool mm -hmm. to have to constantly kind of problem solve yeah 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 definitely fitting in with the conference isn't it this <laughs> yeah. oh, it's got to be the highs have got to be astronomically high but then the you know the how do you deal with the lows tom was that how do sorry? you deal with the lows um i think it's about having a good support network mm -hmm. inside the rescue that you're at or inside the industry so quite often like i'll speak to colleagues or other people that i know in the industry about the sort of stuff that we're seeing because sometimes 
it's kind of hard to get. Like I know everybody knows like rescues really hard sometimes and the sort of cases that people think we see, but it's also like the shift in trends. So like at the minute we're seeing a lot of sort of um, XL and pocket bully type dogs who actually come with a really different challenge because they're often so medically complicated. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, really kind of draws on a different emotional part of you really compared to some of the dogs we were seeing during lockdown or whatever so you kind of have that constant change in environment and I think it's important to be able to speak to other people who get it like from that really hands-on point of view but then also having good support from Mm -hmm. just other colleagues more widely or friends and family and having like some really good stuff that's not dog related Mm -hmm. because like we all still enjoy even though I've just like locked my dog out of the room I generally (laughs) enjoy her company and I enjoy doing stuff with her but sometimes like I just need (laughs) <laughs> I just need like a non-dog day and I'll go say mm. I'm I'm basically a water baby so I'm normally surfing or scuba diving or kayaking or swimming or something in the water and that's kind of my like good way of not thinking about things because you're concentrating mm-hmm. on something else yeah but like sometimes you just need that time away from dogs don't you however much we love okay. them mm-hmm. like I do a lot of driving which translates to a lot of podcasts and sometimes if I've been at a center for like a couple of hours I get in the car and I'm like I want to listen to a murder podcast (laughs) like absolutely nothing to do with dogs at all um because you just get a bit (laughs) I say that so um I run a monthly well-being session with impact for our members and I'm constantly saying I like other things other than just dogs (laughs) because I'm like it just needs sometimes a little bit of a break away I've got to say, actually, speaking a little bit to what you said there. So uh, we're friends on Facebook. Tom, this is the first time I think I've ever actually spoken to you. Um, <laughs> but um, I quite Dorka. often see, you know, like, you know, like Facebook shows you the things that you look at quite often. I quite often see Tom's posts because I do find myself quite often staring at the pictures you take when you are diving because they're incredible. Absolutely awesome. So I always see your posts. Your posts always Thank come you. up on my feed. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it allows me a little bit of respite. And I'm like, I, I, I could talk about diving. I've only ever been like snorkeling, snorkeling. I'd love to go diving. But the couple of times that I've been snorkeling, it has absolutely blown my tiny mind. Yeah. Like, I can confirm that it has. Oh, my God. I, it's I'm, really cool. Oh. Yeah. And we're, we're just, I'm really lucky. I live in North Devon. I'm five minutes away from the beach. I've got a great club. So we try it. This year has been horrific because of the weather. Yeah. But we try and get out as much as possible. And yeah, even the stuff, like people are amazed what we've got in the UK waters. They think they're just like, what, you, what did you see this time? And you start listing things. And What did you yeah, see, Tom? Surprised. What's the most exciting? Oh, in the uk so it's really strange because one of the things i really like taking photos of are called nudie brank and they're basically okay. sea slugs so um, people are like you take photos of sea slugs but they're so much cooler than land slugs. oh they're, they're slugs in drag yeah like they just come in like so many different colors yeah. so I, I quite like finding the little things but you know we get um off lundy we get seals and they come and play with you mm-hmm. they're like pulling on your fin and stuff oh, wow. um they're really cool. They look like the Labradors of the sea. Have you yeah. got any? Have you got seagrass near you? Have you got any? No, we don't have any horses or not. Not off that. Yeah. No, it's off the other side of Devon, um, South Devon. There's some seagrass, mm. but yeah, but yeah, we've got tons in the UK. It's it's amazing, really. So you got loads of things to keep your keep yourself out of the dog game when you need to. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's important. It really, really is important. I'd say. Well, one of the things you said there got me thinking, actually, because. 
how like I know how uh, COVID affected dog training. You know, everyone panicked. We all got experts at being doing online sessions and things along those lines. How did I was wondering how COVID affected rescue? So what sort of yeah, um, yeah what 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 so, challenges did that throw up? Yeah, it's really in. Well, I mean, I find it interesting, but it's really cool actually because we planned for a pretty bad time. Like when lockdowns kind of started coming in, I remember, so I mentioned my role is a lot of travel. And I remember my manager ringing me and being like, right, you're being sent home. You'll probably be home for like two weeks. And I was like, oh, this is like the longest I've been at my house for ages. This is great. And then the two weeks kind of rolled past. And I remember actually I had to see a dog just before lockdown, literally about two days before lockdown, I had to see a dog at a centre, it was a bit of an emergency. So I drove to Wales, saw the dog. And then on my way home, they were like, yeah, everything's shut in, like full lockdown. You can't leave your house. And we kind of expected there to be a huge increase in dogs. Like everybody's really stressed. Everybody um, not coping with the dogs because you couldn't take them anywhere or not having any money because lots of people, we were thinking we're going to be out of work. And obviously some people did lose um, their jobs. And it just didn't really happen for the, for the organization that I worked in and, and some of the other ones that I work with. This kind of flood of dogs we were expecting didn't really come. And actually what we had is a lot of people who suddenly had more time and working from home was coming in and it was looking like people weren't really going to go back to the office anyway, even when things finished. And we actually had a really good few years rehoming wise. And a lot of our sort of trickier dogs got rehomed that we were struggling with. And sometimes it was kind of hard to actually fill the kennels up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like trying to keep numbers a bit lower because we were obviously having staff on split shifts and, and things. But um, yeah, it was kind of completely different. But we're obviously now seeing the fallout of that, which mm-hmm. is generally speaking, a lot of adolescent dogs who've had limited experiences because nobody could do anything. Um, and they're starting to come in now with sort of challenges um, or people who ha- did go out and get dogs and now their um situations changed and we're getting a lot more in now so during the pandemic it was actually quite good in a way mm-hmm. um and we're kind of seeing more of a fallout now than we were expecting um and i think even from the point of view sort of income generation and things like it was very much like right we, we need to be really careful with what we're spending and, and this is how much deficit we're predicting and actually it was nowhere near that because uh, well, for yeah, multiple reasons, people were just at home doing more fundraising or doing different virtual quizzes and things like that. And I think actually, yeah, the support from the public was really amazing, um, which really helped. Yeah. There was a there was a big, I think in every facet actually during COVID, there was a big kind of like we're all in this together kind of feeling, wasn't there? An overall feeling of, you know, especially in the early days like of bringing everyone together and everyone you're feeling more charitable and i think that happened in every facet of life um yeah yeah so it's interesting to hear that now you asking a question yeah i would love to ask a question so (laughs) yeah well if i don't then i i interrupt someone and then i feel guilty for the rest of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) um so uh, building on that and this is something that I have struggled with personally, so I would like your expertise on this. How do you, as someone who is a a dog behaviour expert, how do you keep your expectations at the same level 
as Joe Public that might walk in. Um, because, uh, you know, I'll be honest, the rescues I've worked with closely, you see these bounce backs and you're like, I can't believe that happened. That dog is amazing. Like, you know, if I had room, I'd have them. Um, but it doesn't work out for what whatever reason. Um, and I guess we can kind of see the um, promise or, you know, what what isn't uh, as bad about these particular dogs. How do you keep grounded and not think, okay, well, that dog hasn't savaged anyone, so therefore they must be rehomable. Um, uh, but then also giving all the dogs a fair chance of rehoming. Does that make sense? Do you, do yeah, you yeah, I get where you're going at, yeah. It's, it is tricky to get that balance right, and obviously different organisations kind of approach it in a different way. Um, but I think it's about sort of that information gathering, like we said at the start, mm-hmm. and, and building a bigger picture of the dog. And also thinking about like, yeah, what is realistic? And we quite often have that um, conversation at work. I was having it today, actually. Like if, so we were talking about sort of number of meets that adopters were having and what's kind of a good number. And the answer is there isn't a good number. But we're saying like, you know, if a dog's taking sort of 15, 20 meets to meet somebody before they can go home, like, are they really ready for rehoming? Or should we be doing a bit more work Mm -hmm. to get that number down? Because it's... It's that idea, isn't it? Like, why does the dog need that many meats? It's probably because they're not comfortable. Well, if they're not comfortable, can we make them more comfortable before we're introducing them to the public? And like you said, putting those that expectation on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of what I'm going to be talking about at the conference is going to be based around this kind of idea of like, well, how do we make the best choices and then problem solve those situations that go wrong? And I always say I've got two key answers to any question that involves behavior and rescue and the first one is the answer to any behavior question ever asked the best answer which is it depends it depends i knew where you were going i think that should be the secondary slogan shouldn't it it's my favorite one because it just depends on everything and then my second one is effort i don't know how how uh what i'm allowed to say on the podcast but the second one is you you can say whatever you want (laughs) because it's like as long as we do a good risk assessment and you know it's not going to severely compromise the welfare of the dog or severely compromise anybody's safety maybe we should just try some things and see what happens and learn from them and, and adapt them and that you know that comes from experience and knowledge and looking at all of that information that you've collected but when I first started as a as a um, behaviourist at a centre, I think people were quite annoyed with me because I'd write an assessment and then they'd say, oh, I'd be stood in reception and they're like, oh, they're not really suitable because the assessment says, you know, the dog must go with children who are 16 and above. But then you'd have like a five foot six, very quiet 12 year old stood mm-hmm. in reception and you're like, just try it and I think after a while they kind of got used to it but to start with they were like but you've written this and I was like yeah but mm-hmm. you know like let's look at it it's really cool they've had kids all their life um you know the multiple rescue dogs like let's just try it like don't leave them in a run alone but let's just see how the dog reacts and go from there and I think that's that's it isn't it but I think the key really is around having good like goals and targets but making those slightly adaptable so you can see like right okay well Mm. ideally you know the home would need xyz to be the perfect home but the good enough home is 
X X and Y, and then Zed, well, we can just sort of adapt that. Like maybe the dog just needs to be in another room if visitors come because they haven't quite got past um, their visitor program and they only have visitors once every two weeks. But every other aspect of that home is amazing. So why would you say, well, actually, that for that one hour every two weeks, that means you can't have the dog, whereas like the dog can just be in a garden with their dinner scattered or whatever, and we can work on that in the home. Mm-hmm. But it's tricky. It's it's a balancing act. And how and how much are, even dogs that aren't in rescue are you having to manage some sort of scenario like that anyway? You know, um, what's the, the I love the quote that's I always use it because otherwise I spend about four hours trying to do stuff. Is perfect is the enemy of good enough. Uh, I really like that as a quote because sometimes, yeah. you know, you just if you if you're constantly looking for the for the absolute perfect outcome or the perfect thing that you're producing or whatever it is, then then you could have finished this a long time ago, you know, and things could be yeah. just just fine, you know. We always talk about we don't like the word fine that much <laughs> when people are describing dogs, but I like I like the word fine when uh, yeah when I'm working on something like a video yeah. or something like that <laughs> or a podcast. Yeah, I remember having a. Yeah, I had a conversation with somebody once and, and they were sort of quite new into the industry and uh, into training behavior. And they said, like, you know, how how would I go about like desensitizing and counter conditioning two dogs who food guard from each other to eat in the same room? And I was like, well, why do you want to? Because, yes, you could do a very complicated plan of make you know having the dogs apart at a distance and feeding them and then gradually reducing that distance but whilst you're doing all of that you're gonna have to feed the dog separate anyway because mm. that's your management which comes before your modification and at which point the owner this was this was a private client and i said at which point the owner's going to turn around and say thanks very much but i'm not going to pay you anymore because the dogs aren't fighting anymore because i've just yeah. fed them in two separate rooms yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so you know some things just don't need to be answered and i'm a very lazy trainer <laughs> And if I can avoid doing something, I probably will. So I'm like, yeah. Me too. There's, there's, I always say to my clients, you know, life's too short and dogs' lives are even shorter. So if you genuinely want to work on that, I can work with you on a training plan. I know how to do it. Or we just shut the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take them when you can. Whatever it might be. Because yeah, there's yeah. plenty of plenty plenty of other things to work on, isn't there? So don't work yeah. on the things you don't have to. Yeah, I could, I could count on, well... Maybe maybe there's a few guardians I've worked with that would be willing to see through like a proper, you know, Gene Donaldson protocol for like resource guarding, but it's, you know, step by step, you know, and I, I quite like that because you, when you sometimes go for a, a consultation or something like that from a training point of view and people are like, oh yeah, I've got this problem and, and your solution, because like you say, management always first sometimes people's just brains just go oh oh yeah that's that seems really simple but i've never really thought about it like that and and we always say to our students that sometimes you don't you, you have a, a a consultation or one to one or whatever with um with a guardian and you think that they're going to sign up for like five five sessions off the back of that but in your first one you've given them something like that something like a really easy something that can manage the situation and that has changed their world like literally like it doesn't feel like much to you because it's just management although we know how crucial management is but for them like you say problem solved and you never hear from them again and you might be sat there thinking oh I really did I do something wrong I really thought that they those guys would be back in touch but actually you've probably just solved it you know just with mm-hmm. some simple management I think that's a really 
important mm-hmm. message to get out there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, management. Always good. <laughs> management. Always good. Always good. <laughs> always the title good. of this podcast. First point and kill. Well, no, I think the name of the podcast should be It Depends and Fuck It. <laughs> <laughs> or Slugs and Drag. It's the only two answers you ever need. So. Slugs in Drag and It Depends. Slugs in Drag. <laughs> slugs in Drag. <laughs> I'm writing it down. I love it. <laughs> right. Staying on that theme of a little bit silly. I would like this answer to be, to be a little bit silly as well. What's the most disgusting thing you've ever seen in rescue? Yeah, I mean, you've worked oh. in kennels. There must be some grim stuff. That's a good question. Not the pile of words. <laughs> I can't think of anything like straight off the bat. Then maybe that just says more about my tolerance level. <laughs> but, um, only because we were having a conversation about it the other day, and I have to tell my friend that we talk about this. But um, yeah, they went they went somewhere once to 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 get some dogs, and um, like it just wasn't the best place, and she just ended up getting like poo in her mouth, oh, and she was just like poo in my mouth, oh, no. and that was that was probably like a mm, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. yeah, that's definitely up there. I reckon. Yeah. We need to write a like roast stories from the industry book, don't we? With our whole chapter for, for disgusting poo stories. <laughs> I've never had a poo in the mouth one. That's definitely. I think I've been close, but um, Steve was. I was stooging for Steve the other day, and um, he obviously was quite away away from me, so he didn't know what was happening. But at one point, he saw me run down to the chap, and he was like, um, "I'm guessing you got poo in your finger." I was like, "Yes, I did." Yeah. <laughs> Poo finger, it's a legitimate injury. <laughs> legitimate yeah. injury. When I was, so the other side of having to clean that kennel today, which is something I don't, luckily I have to do very often now, um, I had the puppies in like the pup, uh, puppy runs. It was like these seven puppies running about. One went to the toilet, so obviously got my poo bag out. Literally like as I picked it up, six puppies just appeared all trying to like take the poo bag off me. And, like, <laughs> oh, wow, and, it, like, and even like, you know, folded it inside out of you know how yeah. you pick up a poo yeah. i hadn't even got there so i was just like oh i was just just trying to like bat these puppies away so I <laughs> lift my hand off the floor without them getting absolutely covered in poo or eating plastic so that was fun i mean i'm i've got a mental image of you like one of those ice hockey goalkeepers <laughs> With lurch but just puppies. instead of one puck there's just loads of lurchers attacking you and, and you're sort of over the top of a pile of poo yeah. Is that fair enough? It often <laughs> reminds me why I never want a puppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I mean, why, 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 why? It's um, I'll, I'll try and find the clip, but there's a really good Simpsons episode where Santa's little helper um gets the girlfriend and they have babies, and Homer's trying to put his socks on, and every time he goes to put a sock on, or or maybe it's eat a eat a crisp, a puppy flies out and grabs it, and he goes, don't. Don't, and the scene goes on for about three minutes. It's brilliant. We should do a theme about the best, the best animated dog scenes in cartoons. Because there's a Maybe really top ten. Oh yeah, yeah. Chris- Christmas special. Yeah, oh, that would be a good one. I go yeah. Rick and Morty. Rick. I don't know if anyone likes Rick and Morty, but Rick and Morty's got one of the best dog scenes ever. I'm, I'm going to save it for a Christmas episode. Those so, so, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Keep tuned. So, Tom, I got a question for you. Going back to something a little bit more serious. Um, sorry, everyone. Um, <laughs> how annoying is it 
when you hear people talking about, I guess general public this will be, talking about how difficult it is to get a rescue dog. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, a bit of a trigger. Yeah, I don't um, think just the public say that. No, no I think no. that I think the difficulty is I do actually agree that as a industry we've got a long way to go. Um, and obviously we said earlier about sort of the not so perfect home or the good enough home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes we do need to think about that. And like ivory home dogs to canal boats and four floor flats and yeah they all do fine you just gotta have an owner that understands what that mm. looks like um but yeah definitely <laughs> i'm <laughs> i got kind of disagreement on facebook with somebody who actually had adopted a dog from where i was working at the time who also had children and then on facebook she was like they don't adopt to people with children and i was like yeah, but yeah we do and also you have one <laughs> there's like during yeah. like prime lockdown so you're like hi I remember me I, I was uh... like, right, come on then and we had like a good sort of 10 minute back and forth of like you don't really work there and I was like no I just like go there every day for fun <laughs> but um yeah it's it's tricky because I think the problem is the perception is out there now isn't it and people don't really kind of look into it and yeah there are still some rescues who really could do with in my opinion, rethinking rehoming policies and, and having a flexible approach to rehoming them, because I think that's what we all should have. Um, like when I was working, my dog was being left eight hours a day with a break, but I'm still working. When I was working at a centre, mm-hmm. um, and like I had a had a camera for like the first few months, and every time I looked at the camera, she was just upside down on a different part of the sofa. So I was just like, cool, yeah, this is fine. Some dogs that obviously wouldn't be right for and it's about matching and thinking right okay well you might not be the right owner for this dog but this other dog like you'd be perfect for because then that's another dog out of kennels the owner doesn't feel put out by the fact you've said no um and it's just a better outcome for everybody i think the difficulty is like if you want and and this is what i always say to people like if you're looking to get a rescue dog try and be as broad as you can because if you come in and you say I want a six-month-old golden retriever who's good with cats and can come with me in a motorhome and travels to France every four weeks and I have six grandchildren, you're probably going to be waiting a long time. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean the right dog isn't going to come in for you, but you will have to be prepared to wait. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you come in, you say, like, I've got some grandchildren, they visit this much, but, you know, they're really dog-savvy and I I want a (laughs) medium-sized... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want them and to come around less. Them. <laughs> yeah. um, I need a dog as an excuse for them not to come around. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you say like I'm open to any medium um sized dog, like you're obviously gonna get one of them in much sooner. So it's about having that flexibility. And I used to have that conversation with people when I'd be in reception, like like you've, you you ring us every week, which is great, but like you know, you you literally only want a Labrador who's two to three. Like, would you consider a different breed or an older dog or a younger dog or something completely different? Because otherwise, yeah, we'll keep you as soon as we get one, we'll ring you. But chances yeah. are, there's also fifteen other people wait. Well, mm. probably more waiting for a two-year-old Labrador. Mm. Um, and even I got really excited the other day because I went to one of my centers and there was a Fox Red Lab, and I was like, oh. 
could I have two dogs? And then I was like, no, I, <laughs> I definitely don't want two dogs. But, you know, it's, it's, it's it has definitely changed. Like, at one point, like, you'd be impressed to see a Frenchie in rescue, whereas now, like, all I seem to see is yeah. Frenchies. Mm-hmm. So it does change, but, you know, there's... If you want something really specific, obviously there's breed-specific rescues, but the wider you can open your criteria, the more dogs... Mm-hmm you're going to be suitable for yeah 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 so you're seeing a lot oh sorry sorry no No, go on i was just saying you're seeing a lot of frenchies what what other dog breeds are you seeing a lot of at the moment um so like i said the kind of larger um larger dogs are more popular now and not even really the i suppose less popular in a way but um we're seeing more of them Mm-hmm. but not even like the ones you would think like your King Corsos and, and XL Bullies because I had a conversation with a colleague recently and in my region alone I had five St Bernards okay. like at the wow, same time really? yeah yeah and I was just thinking like I don't know the last time I think the six years that I worked at a centre we maybe had one St Bernard cross mm-hmm. um but yeah we like had five like proper ones like real St Bernards <laughs> real ones was. Yeah, real ones. So I think again, that's you know, possibly cost of living. Right. They often have have medical issues. They definitely cost more to feed. Oh yeah. And and that's kind of seen some of the outcomes of that. I think like well. yeah, just it does take um a excuse the pun a bigger commitment for a giant breed <laughs> because um I remember so Drax's first insurance like premium annually was something like 120 pounds um I didn't make any claims and the next year it had doubled yeah it's so doubling they're just, they're just like expectant of well yeah you've got peachy the newfie yeah. haven't you so it, it's I don't know how old your the these St Bernard's were but I wonder whether it gets a point where it's just not economical I mean obviously there are lots of different reasons why people relinquish their dogs but mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure the the money of all the food and everything doesn't help, but it is it is strange, isn't it? The trends that you see, and the you know, I would be shocked if I walked along the kennels down the road and there was an Afghan in there, for example, yeah. or even like a corgi, or there are just breeds that you can think of that you're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Which is sad for the breeds that you do expect to see, like, you know, Staffies, Frenchies, Huskies, um, Lurchers, and now all these big, big bullies. So it's interesting to kind of map the trends as as you, you kind of go. I mean, you've been in the game 15 years. So what have you seen change from then to now? Yeah. I think a lot. It has changed a lot. And like you said, the breeds and the, the type of dogs that we're getting is is completely different. Um, and I had a conversation about, I think, I can't remember if it was the type of dogs coming in or returns or something, but about sort of, I feel a big thing at the minute is expectations on dogs. Mm. Like we just expect, um, I actually just had this conversation because we had a group of hoarder dogs who came in and I think like I was talking to somebody and they were like, oh, yeah, they don't really like walking in busy places. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's surprising for a dog that's like not left a field in nine years. <laughs> so it's a bit like, you know, maybe we just need to like change our expectation of that individual. Mm-hmm. And I think dogs, in, oh, they was, it was to do with dog bites. 
and dog bite miss statistics. And obviously there's a multitude of factors, but I definitely think that like at one point you just wouldn't say, like, I think my friend said it, like if I got bitten by the, the dog when I was a kid, I'd have just been told not to pester the dog. Yeah. Right. Whereas now yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, and, and obviously there's pros and cons to that too. Mm. But I think that whole idea of like, we put, um, dogs have more expectations on them than any other animal because we don't expect a cat to toilet outside if it's a home-based cat mm-hmm. you know we don't expect a horse to be able to meet every single person that it comes across but for dogs we just kind of have this image of them being super friendly to everybody being very happy to see other dogs not chasing cats not chasing sheep being clean in the house being able to be left for x amount of time you know, and I do you think expectations on dogs have changed? And I think that probably is a big factor as well. And then, yeah, like just definitely in the last sort of five years, I think the the phrase that's passed around quite a lot is like the perfect storm. Like you had COVID, you've got cost of living, tons of other stuff going on. Um, like the, the pressures on the veterinary industry, meaning that veterinary care is not as available. Mm-hmm. All of this thing has just created a, really really difficult time for rescues and i think that's yeah interesting but yeah i was literally having a conversation the other week about frenchies because there was a seizure waiting to come in and we had to kind of find space for them and we were saying like 12 years ago we'd have been biting off somebody's hands for 20 frenchies because you know it's gonna like really boost your rehoming figures but now it's just like uh nothing you <laughs> would like to take them to this rescue instead um, and it's just some yeah massive massive shift. Oh, Twenty. I think it was more than that actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just the first number that came to my head. <laughs> it's also those expectations that you talk of have skyrocketed in the last what twenty years as well. I'm I'm the same. So I'm forty five, and when I was a kid, I really vividly remember that it was that kind of attitude. It's like if you go and you you know don't don't go and say hello to a dog. Just don't don't go you know you didn't have that sort of entitlement that every dog you see when you're a kid you walk up to it was like no stay away from i'm not the fact that they're gonna be dangerous but you know it was kind of the thing and that was what i was told when i was a kid i mean I'm, i don't know if i was an outlier or my parents were but it must have been a, a the cultural shift has been quick so quick and, and i've I, go on i thought that for i thought that for a while that expectations have changed and then i think what actually made it like really interesting to me it was um i was really lucky last year i got to go to um, bulgaria and do some work out there with a rescue and uh, present at a conference and like the dogs over there like we were working in um at a rescue and they had like three dogs in most kennels most of the dogs were like super friendly when you approach the bars they were like good with other dogs and uh, the majority of them had come in as street dogs who'd got injured or somebody rounded up and i just think like the dogs that we're getting in uk rescues at the minute like it's rare that we compare dogs in kennels now whereas like we used to have two dogs in, in most kennels and you know the, the it was really interesting seeing these other pool of dogs mm. and being like oh wow that's really cool and obviously there's multiple factors into that but i do wonder like how much of that is expectation i yeah. think and and restriction expectation and restriction yeah. so you know yes maybe those bulgarian dogs didn't have readily available veterinary care but they would have been off lead i bet i bet some of the dogs that are brought into your 
centres that you look after have never been off lead anywhere other than the garden that they live in if they've got a garden and you just think how are you yeah as a young dog how are you meant to develop if you don't even have freedom of movement to investigate things but that is for another soapbox moment so I'm going to step off (laughs) (laughs) so Um, is it is a question then how do we make your job obsolete tom <laughs> as a as a society what could you if you yeah. if you were if you were in charge of the way the world is going to go across the next 20 years and in 20 years rescue centers are obsolete what do you think would need to happen i know that's a ridiculously huge question yeah um, that's a yes <laughs> really big question really big. i actually think that i'm going to counter and say I don't think, even if we fixed all of the problems, I don't think they should be. Mm. Because I think that's another issue, isn't it? Is relinquishment is quite often seen as failure and people are embarrassed. And and I think there are genuinely times where um, your circumstance change or something isn't working out and, and the best place for that dog and for that owner is, is the dog going to a different uh, mm. environment. Really and like I think, that. you know, that's a really important factor that I think would be a shame to lose. But in terms of like the emergency based rescue, I just think it's about looking at the whole picture, like looking at holistically, like we talk about when we talk about training and behavior and looking at the breeding and getting that better and the selling of dogs and education, early doors, like what breeds going to be best suited to you. I saw a Facebook post the other day and somebody was like, my friend is getting a Malinois cross border collie and can't afford training classes. And it's like, well, can you maybe just get like a, I don't know, something <laughs> that isn't a Malinois cross border yeah. collie? That's, I tell you what, that's a really good point because we've been, we've been talking as a team, haven't we, about yeah. um, making a little series of videos about what to expect from your terrier, what to expect yeah. from your husky, you know. Um, and... I think we've all, you went to Lincoln, we've all been drilled into us about, you know, there's more um, variation within a breed than between a breed. But I still think there's those characteristics there, aren't there? And, yeah. it, you know, I, I I hope it would be useful stuff to um, educate people about what the potential personality might be and exercise levels and, yeah. you know, Basically, I think that a lot of dogs will be helped out if people weren't um, over-dogging themselves. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think like that's a it's a good starting point, isn't it? And I always used to say like when I when I did like um, pre-adoption talks and if I do like the webinars about settling in and stuff now, I say like you know that yeah, every dog could be an will be an individual and they might be less or more, but yeah. You are likely to see a collie who likes to chase things and you are likely to get a Labrador who likes to go and pick things up. And you kind of have to consider those as like your base, don't you? And if you're like really intent on wanting a certain breed, then yeah, going for a slightly older dog means you have a slightly better chance of knowing what you're going to get. Because like Of matching them and catching yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Because like my dog is a Finnish Lapland cross husky collie type dog and you know, not so much now, but when I got her seven years ago, you'd look at her and you were like, oh, you must walk her for hours and hours. And I'm like, well, no, actually, like, 
we do, but also if we only do five minutes across the road, she's still asleep on the sofa. Yeah, so look at, it's about matching. Yeah, look at uh, that's my that's coffee. Bob. Yeah, that's Bob, my very young working bearded collie, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th- I think that education piece around owners, like before they get a dog and all of the stuff that they need to know. And you obviously, like last week with Amber, talked a lot about sort of over socialization and some not as helpful advice that's out there and I think that's a part part of the puzzle is that education piece and then yeah having good backup for dogs when they need it so having like good trainers obviously like you guys are doing with packed and people who people can go to early when problems start because that's the other thing isn't it like it's like would you like some behavior advice before handing your dog over oh, wait, no, actually, we've been living with the problem for X amount of time, and now mm. we don't have the emotional resilience to work on it. Whereas if mm. they've got in contact with us early doors or, or somebody else, then mm-hmm. chances are, you know, either they could be a lot further in that journey, which is going to make rehoming that dog easier, or they might not need to anyway because they've resolved the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess those are the three main ones, aren't they? Like getting the sourcing of dogs right, which sounds awful but it's kind of the best way to put it really isn't it like getting breeders right getting rescues right because i don't think all rescues have it right um and then looking at yeah support for the dogs before they support for the owners before the dogs go home support for the dogs once they go home whether that's a puppy or rescue dog or whatever and then making sure that they've got options to go to if they are struggling with things and tackling things really early doors sounds really simple (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, so, yeah i'll just retire in 10 years yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've often do you know what i've often thought about i don't know if i've ever talked about it on the podcast probably have but um you know you know we have these like huge groups on online and we're always you know on social media and that and we're always like it may be filled with positive whatever you want to label yourself like reward-based dog trainers and people that love dogs and aren't using methods that we wouldn't agree with but it seems to be a huge community of people and we all like to argue with one another anyway don't we but i wondered like what would that what would it cost to get like a either a national radio or television campaign that you could like crowdfund like all those people so if everyone gave like a fiver do you know because you're talking like tens of thousands of people would you get enough to like make a national just educational advertising campaign about dogs and it's and it, because we live with dogs they're, they're everywhere they're, they're in our i mean we went out for a meal last night uh, to a local place near us called handball and there were just dogs everywhere all over the place all different breeds there was a man so right right behind so oh. malamar sat right behind us actually it was just spinning on its lead you know it just speaks to what we're talking about and um, and it just seems like it seems like a no-brainer it's like could we, could we just do so but no one would agree what the content of that i know know. you know what i'd love to do go on because dogs on telly like the noise of dogs on telly drives me bonkers basically sound engineers have something to answer for here and producers because dogs barking seems to be an indication that there are um there's a body to be found on crime dramas which doesn't wouldn't work because those dogs work silently or um, you're on a scuzzy estate somewhere. Yeah, cut to council estate, yeah, dog barking. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. what I would like us to commission is um, a whole 
three minutes of dogs barking and just the words feed your dog some cheese now that's it <laughs> just a, a, a nationwide counter conditioning desensitization program I mean, that just because I live with a Jack Russell, can I just say I don't want that commissioned in any way, shape or form? I'm, I'm just going to say, I don't <laughs> think that's the best use of that money. <laughs> I, I don't think my TV would make it out of that alive. I thought we were going to go somewhere with like silent do- like dogs mean... running around, but then maybe just somebody talking over the top and talking oh, some no, sense. Oh, no, that's too boring. You want the dogs to go bonkers so that everyone goes, what are they? But, oh, look, a message. <laughs> <laughs> a message. Cheese. Cheese. Then just have the cheese tax song. Yeah. I feel like everyone would need a letter in the post like a week before to tell them to have cheese in their house before the announcement was made on the TV. There's just there's too many levels. I mean, that's a lot. Like that um, emergency alert thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which didn't go off on my phone. So I'm I'm dead in an apocalypse. I got it, but I was like. I would not wake up for that. I don't wake up for my own alarm <laughs> that goes off for about an hour. It was an anticlimax, wasn't it? it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so what's the... So you, you've you um, done a few conferences and presentations in your time then. Um, what's the largest audience versus the smallest audience that you've ever presented to? Oh, um, I think... So, yeah, like I said, I went to uh, iCorks last year, which is the International Companion Animal Welfare Conference, um, and I think that was about 500 delegates. Um, so that was pretty cool. I know, yeah. So that was pretty good. Um, and then, yeah, like two, three people, like when I've done pre-adoption talks, things like that. Um, yeah, so it's really varied. And it's great because I like to do both. Like there's benefits of having smaller groups. Obviously, larger groups, best way to get information out quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they're cool. Yeah, I like doing it. Do you ever get nervous? <laughs> um yeah like definitely before um and i do still get like i think i'll be nervous at packed because you've got some like awesome people and they're like john candy so it's like <laughs> i think amber messed with that last week didn't she like amber shared something and i was like oh great <laughs> um but yeah i think i think it's normal to be nervous isn't it but it's yeah. about knowing yes i find it quite like good at the end and often i think like oh, this is just too easy or whatever but then you think like oh okay maybe i know what i'm talking about it's quite nice yeah. for, for imposter syndrome sometimes mm-hmm. yeah definitely <laughs> yeah i think we all need to cheerlead each other more as well and uh yeah i try and embrace the nerves and think well that means i care about it and, yeah, exactly you yeah. know if you didn't care about it you shouldn't be doing it but it is hard though when you hear your voice wobble a little bit. I did in Parliament that time, and I was like, "Oh my god, I sound nervous!" Oh no! <laughs> I don't think you, you you sounded that nervous. I thought I think it was fine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you're always your own worst critic, aren't you? In those yeah. sort of situations, yeah, you, you, you'll never you'll never come out of one of those things and think, "Well, that was absolutely awesome." I got. Well, I'm sure there are some people that do, but yeah, <laughs> it's in well, it's go on. It's interesting that you said about uh, my my underwater photography and like yeah like I said thanks again because we had a um, a work event this week and we did a wellness session and part of that was on imposter syndrome and the person leading it said like does anybody have um something that they really like think they're really good at I'm really proud of and like the whole group sat there quietly and then he was like, well, Tom, like, you're underwater. I always like love your underwater photography. And I was like, yeah, but it doesn't mean I do. And he was like, oh, I like, I thought you'd be like really chuffed with it. 
I was like, well, that's a perfect example, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> I criticise it, and and it gets on my partner's nerves because he's like, that photo's amazing, and I'm like, nope, delete. And I think we've got, and um, we've got two, maybe three of my photos on the wall in the house, and that took a long time. Um, but yeah, so it's just interesting, isn't it, how we all sort of pass over. And the other thing he said, which I think is really true for our industry, is, oh, um. You know, sometimes I go to meetings and stuff and there's lots of people with lots of letters after their name or they've done X, Y and Z. And I just think, like, why am I here? And then I was like, oh, well, I'm lucky to have you know, a couple of letters after my name and I've done a bit. And I was like, oh, I still feel exactly the same. So, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> don't think completely. it matters really, does it? Uh, no. we're, you know, everyone is is just a person. So I think, Definitely. yeah, if we all remember that and look after each other and yeah give credit where it's due i think talking about the photography side of things as well because i come from like an artistic background like a a musician sort of type background i think sometimes and and i see a lot of this in dog training as well and and in kind of the way people think about behavior and i think sometimes it's not necessarily imposter syndrome it's just that sort of looking for the the right thing it's like a lot of the times it's a journey so like you're taking a photo i mean i'm putting words in your mouth here mate obviously but you're taking a photo and like although someone will look at that and go whoa look at that look at that amazing photo you're like well that weren't what i was going for so i can easily let that go because i know there's something else and you might never get to that right photo because you know there's an art to it and i and i think when, when you have a kind of an artist's eye which i think a lot of people do without really knowing like i think dog training is quite and is quite artistic i think that there's nuance to it and i think there's a flow to it sometimes when you get really good at it mm. and i and it kind of this kind of goes back i'm waffling it's classic <laughs> waffle that coffee hasn't worn off i can hello um, coffee chat <laughs> but going back to what you're saying about um being like feeling like you should there should be some nuance in dogs you know like the what the hell of it like oh let's just give it a go the six foot 12 year old i think we were talking about earlier on or whatever like that comes from that comes from confidence about being in enough of those scenarios to be able to back yourself to say okay we can just give this a go but it also comes from that kind of artistry i don't know if i'm waffling too much i'm talking rubbish but you're not waffling mate no you're not you're not waffling it's brit and that you're trying to um quantify the it depends yeah exactly and and i sometimes i think what we call imposter syndrome is is like second guessing ourselves you know in in that aspect not necessarily in the sort of like oh we're not good enough sort of type aspect and when you have got enough confidence and been and been in there enough like going back to the photography thing when you've taken enough photos and you look at them and go ah that one's not that's not the one that's not the one and everyone else would be like well that is the one but you know you know because you've done it a lot yeah definitely and i think what nat said is like really key as well like we're all just people and i had a conversation about imposter syndrome with a colleague the other day and she was like well actually i just don't think it's a thing i think we're all just people and we all just worry about the same thing and she was like i think it's completely natural if you've been offered a new job to be like oh what if what if i'm like what if somebody gets my current job and they're better than me and then everybody thinks oh he was crap and we just kind of got to do it, haven't you? <laughs> like, just yeah, get there it. must, it's a really hard step for us to take. There must be an evolutionary reason for that feeling, mustn't there? Like some, some 
throwback to like if you if you don't feel like this then you're going to be i don't know thrown thrown out into the wilderness for something i don't know i don't know where that <laughs> comes from but do you know what i mean <laughs> like that sort of thing like a lot of those things like that feeling of embarrassment probably comes from the idea that you know you would you would be if you were shamed in front of your i don't know what the right word to use or clan or something like that then you might be ostracized and then yeah. <laughs> fight for yourself, you know, without having access to food and things. I think a lot of that, and it's a bit like Voldemort, isn't it? If you give it a name, like it's a very much, you know, it's in your, mm. in your psyche. And I think imposter syndrome is quite a lot like that personally, but what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot. I think, I think a lot of it is like expectations created as well, isn't it? And I think, Actually, it was something that Amber was talking about when, like, it's really normal for vets to refer to other vets. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like, we see less of that because people are not as used to the idea with behaviourists and they don't want to pay twice. But, like, yeah, my dog went to the... Uh, had, had a couple of issues and we had to have a vet referral and we paid £200 for a Zoom consultation that told us, like, to increase her medication by, like... 0.1 of a mil and I was a bit like oh. <laughs> but you just like to pay it don't you but yeah that expectation is completely different with dogs and I think that probably feeds into our um, those feelings of imposter syndrome because we're constantly told it's changing isn't it but you know yeah. especially British culture yeah. you're often told you're not really good enough and this that and the other yeah yeah it's like a therapy session isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it is. We've, we've we've gone into uh, counselling, group counselling. I mean, I'm okay with it. I often find these I'm podcasts going to sort of group counselling kind of uh, kind of area, don't they? So right, okay. Let's end. Let's end on a on a funny story. So right, again, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and this is one of the questions that we we bandied around. So funniest rescue story. What's the funniest thing? I guess. <gasps> I guess poo in the mouth is quite funny, as long as it's not you. But <laughs> as long as there's no, um, yeah, zoonosis involved. Yeah, <laughs> is that what started COVID? Not <laughs> oh, poo in the mouth. <laughs> A pangolin poo. Um, well, we heard how it how it went well for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Just another <laughs> pandemic. Um, <laughs> funniest rescue story. I can think of a couple that I definitely can't say. Um, <laughs> oh, can you? T oh, I'll tell you what. Tell tell us, and Steve can blank it out, and then the listeners will never know. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell it's it. normally around, um, like people falling over and things i think <laughs> that's normally what happens uh, especially yeah. like in 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 the winter when there's ice you know stuff's gonna happen um <laughs> but then there was also me like looking at a dog being like this one's all right because it's self-deprecating but i was like that dog's walking funny something wrong with that dog's gait like he needs a pain trial why have we not done a pain trial it's probably why his behavior's weird like are we sure he's okay blah blah, blah. then they were like what dog are you talking about and I was like, the like third kennel down, and they were like, oh right, um, like did you just see him in the kennel? And I was like, yeah, but like he's really struggling to move about and just looks weird when he's moving. And they were like, oh right, okay, cool. Um, let's get him out for you. And they went and got him out, and he had three legs. <laughs> <laughs> it was just 
but he just stood at an angle. I just couldn't see. I mean, I mean, you weren't you weren't wrong in fairness. To be way, fair, yeah. Tom, I thought the punchline was going to be, and it was a cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> Quite good. I was like, maybe I need to go home now. Yeah, <laughs> that reminds was me he, of the sinking boat like... story. The, the sinking oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and got Steve sat um, on holiday once, and we'd been served a couple of drinks, and the oh, waiter yeah. said to us, "Oh, have you seen the boat sinking out there?" And we we're like, "Oh no!" So we watched this boat for about an hour. And then we said to the guy, we were like, "That boat's just sinking really slowly, and there's people still on it." He went that boat that boat and we just turned our head gaze slightly and there's this boat that's upside down <laughs> it, it wasn't even it, it wasn't even far enough to turn our heads to i, I don't know what we were we were just transfixed on just this boat and literally almost in our field of vision there is a titanic scene going on <laughs> like just out of the, i mean holiday mode it was cocktails in yeah. fairness so yeah um, yeah <laughs> i didn't have any influence <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you, Tom, so much for joining us. And we're we're like super excited about the conference. Um cool, yeah. There's rumors that you're gonna have a hip blask. I'm hoping a free piece yeah. suit and uh, and a handkerchief <laughs> yeah. is what we I'm We were talking well, you'll hear it when it goes out, but in the intro we just you are such a dapper gentleman. We were just fantasizing about extra things you could add to your excellent tailoring. So we do normally have a hip flask, but not not okay. That. Conferences or yeah. Parliament. <laughs> well, not in the daytime, of course. Not in the daytime. Okay, for for evening. <laughs> uh, monocle. Ooh, don't know if it would work with the glasses. Double, double monocle. Double monocle. <laughs> <laughs> in England. <laughs> we can't wait to see you. Yeah, we can't. Yeah, wait to see I'm you. really excited. It's, yeah. it's going to be really cool. I think. I hope so. Oh, we haven't done our photo yeah. yet. Oh yeah, we need to do a photo. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. let's do a photo. I had a question for you guys. Oh, sure, go yeah. on then. Who wrote the Pact song? Oh, me. That was me. Yeah, I thought it was. That was me. I, I find it weirdly enjoyable. I thought you were going to say weirdly erotic for a second. And... No, not that. But I haven't really listened, badly, I haven't really listened to the podcast until Amber's last week. And I've gone back and listened to a few now. But I was like, this song is like strangely good. <laughs> it gets in my head too. Thank you very much. He'll take that. Strangely good. <laughs> strangely good. Strangely good is about all... yeah, it's about as good as it gets for me. <laughs> that is another story though. Like we put it on in the car. I was with my partner and I think you tagged me on LinkedIn. So I put it on in the car and I normally listen to stuff on times two. Oh, it was just like a yeah. massive cacophony of sound as it started and we were just like what is this <laughs> and then i realized put it back to normal i was like oh it's all right actually have you have you heard uh finger through the poop bag yet or ballies in the park <laughs> oh you got those no. ones to look forward to there's two other songs no, that appear randomly throughout the oh, podcast steve you've got to make tom a play a little playlist, playlist. Tape. <laughs> yeah you should have like, it for the um the, like the breaks, like the coffee break. I should yeah. do that. I should do that, shouldn't I? I took beaches for a walk and everything was fine. It wasn't very busy and the weather was sublime. We'd done a few great recalls and practiced loose leader, but mostly we did sniffing because sniffs are basic media. And that is when it happened. I couldn't quite believe it. A million miles away from any washroom or convenience My pictures did a poop and being conscientious man I stooped down to collect, that's when it happened Put my finger through the poop bag 
Try and get you some peace and quiet, Corin. <laughs> she needs it. She definitely needs it. He's going on holiday soon. I am. I'm going on holiday without Corin. <sighs> with my mum and dad as well, which is strange because I'm 45, oh. 45 years old. But um, yeah. Is that why Corin's not going? <laughs> I didn't laugh. It was, in, in fairness, it was Corin's idea. So she's sending me off with my mum. It's a long story. My mum and dad have got a place in Crete and and they're going to sell it. So um, I'm oh, going okay. over there to help um, prep it for selling. No, you're not. You're going to sit on the beach and drink Bloody Marys and watch a boat that isn't sinking. That's, that's, Come the, on. Real, that's the real plan. Yeah, that's, that is the real plan. And write Tom a song. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> About, what is it? Drag slugs. Um, <laughs> slugs in drag. drag. Slugs in drag. That's it. That's drag there, drag it? slugs. Oh, drag my slug. God. Imagine the... An- the animation video. <laughs> each little, each little slug in drag could have a song of its own. <laughs> Tom's swimming along. Okay. Anyway, we better wrap this up because we've got to go and brainstorm the the video for uh, <laughs> right. So release. <laughs> we have a bit of a tradition where we do a fake buy, but then Tom, you have to hang around so we can do a real buy afterwards. So fake buy. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> Oh, that was lovely, wasn't it? Great. Really good. It's great. It's always really, really nice to have someone on. I mean, this happens all the time, doesn't it? But someone on that that, that talks about rescue, because I think it's uh, it's something that we hear a lot about, but don't get to hear a lot about a lot of the time, like right you know, from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Yeah, I guess it's like, unless you, you know, do a bit of volunteer work or, you know, are lucky enough to be consulted on certain dogs we really only see the sort of front end of it don't we Mm. so it's nice to hear what goes on behind closed doors and so refreshing to hear that there is kind of um considerations for exactly yeah Mm. because yeah i mean the more people that are turned away from legitimate rescues you know i don't know what the correlation is but Probably the more um, customers there are for irresponsible breeders, mm-hmm. don't you think? Mm-hmm. You know, if you get yeah. turned away from a rescue. I really liked so. what Tom was saying. And irresponsible rescues. But well, that, yeah, true. That's a conversation true. for another time. The old, uh, we'll drop him off at M3 services. Yeah. And you'll never hear from us again. Yeah. yeah. But we do love our, we love our rescue dogs, we don't do. we? I mean, all, of, all, all seven of ours are rescues and scoops. Yeah, and Jack was. Yeah, so never, I never had. Uh, uh, not not for any other reason other than like I love rescue dogs, and, and I'm not throwing shade or anyone like that. But I I work so much with puppies, but I've never ever had a puppy. Um, 
because all of my rescue dogs have just been adult dogs and they've come you know mm. just been i like the 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 bit of the conversation that i really liked then was how wide your net should be if you're looking for a dog i love that i love the fact yeah. that you don't don't just zero in on like i need a mm-hmm. labrador because i i've never gone well i mean all of the dogs that have ever come and live with me i've never gone in with that kind of i need a well i've certainly never went looking for a newfoundland let's put it that way or a terrier for that point in fact it's all, <laughs> it's all the dogs i've ever said that i'd never get i've ended up with <laughs> my, my... and you wouldn't change it mate no 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 but that's what i mean like it, you, it, that's you know if you if you're adaptable you will find the perfect dog for you and your situation you know and, and not being so narrow-minded about it w- would help my my favorite bit was Tom saying that his job should never be obsolete and I think yeah um, I love that yeah yeah because I never talk about it but I I had to give a dog up to rescue and I don't talk about it because it normally breaks my heart um it was before I met Steve before being a dog trainer was ever even on my radar and I had to go and live back with my parents which wasn't planned and they certainly weren't enjoying my dog at the time so it wasn't really a choice. It was kind of it had to happen. Mm. So I really liked um, what he said. I think, yeah, yeah it was, uh, it, it, and you know, when you ask a question and then that answer comes back and you're like, well, that's just the perfect, that's the perfect answer because yeah, it, there's always going to be a situation where that institution for want of a better word is needed and, and it needs to be as good as it is. Um, and, and, and be filled with people as skilled and as understanding as Tom and, and all of the people that work with or for other organisations. Um, yeah, it should never be obsolete. No, and I think it that's a really good reminder because I think we get maybe bombarded with the sub stories of mm. dogs, you know, like the X factor effect. Mm. <laughs> um, but actually, um, uh, rescues also exist to help People that find themselves in whatever circumstances, like you, Corinne, mm. dog lovers find themselves in a circumstance where they can no longer safely or, you know, responsibly keep their dog to find them a loving new family. And who wouldn't want to be part of that? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not all about abuse and neglect. Mm. There are some really well-loved dogs that for whatever reason, illness, um, you know, change of circumstances, yeah. yeah, all yeah. sorts of things, which um, are, you know, nobody's fault. They're just circumstance, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, lovely to hear his kind of non-judgmental approach to it. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's it, it's a great kind of service that these kind of big charities um, are providing for us all. So we should support them as best we can. Indeed. So for those of you who want to hear more from Tom, well, you can just rewind this and listen again, obviously, but um, he will be appearing live, obviously, at Dog X, which is the 8th of October. That's a Sunday, folks, uh, 2023. Um, I know we're constantly pushing this, but there's a reason, like, it's going to be good. It's going to be really, really good. We're really excited. I mean, when... We're not desperate or anything. We've sold loads of tickets. There's only a few left. Yeah. So I I just want people to know that, you know, the the podcasts that we put out recently have been with the speakers that are going to be at 
the sh- uh, the show. What's it? Show? The show? Conference? It's, the, it's, it's at the show. show. Um, and there's a reason for that because they're we, we're trying to put together a or curate a wonderful, wonderful day of amazing people and amazing brains to talk about training in certain in certain scenarios and it's going to be absolutely awesome and i couldn't be any more excited if i tried it is like like a like a big party like a big party it is like a and uh, and um there'll there'll be a uniform for the party oh yeah we've decided today a uniform slugs in drag I tell you what, here I'm going to throw that out there now. If anyone, uh, if anyone does turn up uh, in fancy dress, slug in drag, um, mm-hmm. I think a free hoodie might be. I'll pay for it myself. <laughs> I reckon. I reckon. I'm throwing the gauntlet out there. It's got to be. It's got to be full life size, though. Yeah, actually, I've just realised <laughs> if, every, if everyone turns up, I could be bankrupt. <laughs> well, you've you've said it now, Steve. It's Although best looking audience ever, though I should imagine, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. We'll make it up on the marketing for next year. <laughs> uh, there should be a fancy dress theme. Oh, my God. Write that down, someone. Great. Anyway, Dog, Dog X 2024, fancy dress theme. Anywho, so uh, where can we go to find tickets, Nat? Go on, I'm putting you on the spot here. Oh, God, I don't know. There's a website, isn't there? You can go to... dogs.com forward slash dog x conference yeah i think that's right if you hit um, up our website there's a tab up there anyway so pack-dogs.com and then yeah. look for the dog x tag there are there are a few tickets remaining and it ain't a lot i'm not sure how, what it is we're going down into the tens now aren't we so um, oh yeah so yeah if you are interested come along because we'd love to see you you can say hi we would who have we, we got would. on the podcast next who have we got on the podcast next? Well, um, we are going to be interviewing Churid Rugas and Stephanie Rousseau um, about. Well, we've got a foot. Yeah, we're back on a full book episode, aren't we? Yeah. We're so those of you who've been waiting up. waiting for a book episode, you'll be pleased to hear that um, they have written an amazing book um, called "How to Raise a Puppy: A Dog Centric Approach," which is absolutely well. I've I've really enjoyed reading this actually. So that I'm, book looks well read already. I, it it is very well thumbed. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> they, Nat would hate the look of this book. Um, well, that's why I didn't lend it to you, mate. Get your own. <laughs> so Sherrod Ch- will be the first returning author. We've obviously had Melissa come back on the podcast, um, but Sherrod will be the first, and she was the very first ever Melissa episode. Was, do you remember that? Melissa's like, written a book up in your in the room. No, but right I now. mean about first returning double book show oh, for two books. Right. Yeah, Melissa okay. came on for the old yeah. um, Christmas one, but yeah. Yeah, that was way back in the day, our first ever interview. So, uh, oh yeah, and Stephanie, of course, would be. What, what, what am I talking about? Stephanie, of course, will be coming back as a as a oh, returning. Okay. Yeah, of course, double, double whammy, double, double. Office dogs, double, double. Book. So yeah, so um, that's coming soon. We've got some stuff in the pipelines as well with some other books. Um, maybe some cats. Maybe some stuff about cats. How dare we? How very dare we? But we might be going to the dark side. Um, <laughs> Nat's giving me a disapproving look. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm very, very, very excited about what we've got coming up on the podcast. So uh, stay tuned. Um, subscribe and they will be delivered straight to your feed. Um, anything else? I just want to plug. Oh, go on. Grant playing at the conference as well. Yes. There ain't many conferences out there that finish with a sing-song along. 
I've got um I've got some special requests for Grant to play as well because he's got a very a very um a wide back catalogue and I think he's quite satirical a lot of the time and a little bit biting but I think our audience could take a little bit of satire and bitery at the end of the conference. What do you reckon? I reckon he was I a reckon. bit of a hit last year, wasn't he? Yeah. He, also, yeah. he was a good warm up for the uh, prosecco and canapes. Indeed. Prosecco and canapes, which we made sure to order this week. We so, did. Me and Corinne had a very exciting catering um, meeting. Okay. And cake. And cake, yeah. I'm hoping to get some cake this year. I heard it was good. Did you not get any cake last no. year? I don't think I got any cake last year, in fairness. I was too busy I think wandering around. I was happy. too busy panicking about whether Trisha could be heard or whatever. But this year, cake I'm on. elbowing people out the way. So watch <laughs> out, people. Nat is chundering through to that table so if you want to be elbowed out the way by nat live uh packdashdogs.com look at the dog x tag and get yourself a ticket um that's a great little segue isn't it because grant always finishes our podcast so um we will see you guys next time um i think say bye 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 Atoms collide, our cells divide, just like they've always done. A spark of life, we multiply this ride, it's just begun. Stretches back through all time. Time guided by a primal desire to simply survive. Survive, you can't keep it down.
A kiss you can't keep me down, you know, and I can't keep you down, I know, and it won't be kept down, we know it grows, it grows.